Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. How are you today, Renee? I'm great. I am enjoying slash coming off of a three-day weekend. We had the holiday um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So it's always nice when you get like that extra day in the weekend because I'm a big proponent of a four-day work week because I think you Mm -hmm. need three – I think you need three weekend days. You need one day to like super socialize, have a bunch of fun, do all – whatever that looks like for you. You need one day to kind of rest, reset. Again, that can be with other people or on your own. And then you just need that chore day where mm-hmm. you have to like do like the boring life stuff. Um, and it's just hard to cram that into two days because I always like over index on the fun socializing and the rest. <laughs> and then the, the laundry, the that kind of stuff gets put on the back burner. I'm team four day work week as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, we can, maybe that's a whole nother episode, but the 40, been he- seeing a lot of articles about the 40 hour work week is antiquated and you don't necessarily need those types of hours to be productive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I personally just had a very restful weekend. <laughs> I think there's a lot of components to that, but I slept a lot and yeah, I think if you I, – I was telling my mom this. Um, I forgot who said this, but if you don't rest, your body will do it for you. And so sometimes my body definitely communicates to me via, girl, you need to sleep again or you need a nap. Um, but maybe, maybe. I mean, there's, I feel like I wonder what, what companies are doing the four-day work week and how they feel about it and how their employees feel about it. But I feel like it's mostly been positive. Yeah, I've seen a lot of articles about case studies from organizations who've been trialing it both here in the US and I think Europe is maybe a step ahead in testing it out. And yeah, I think as you think about it, in a five-day work week, there are pockets of unproductivity where things slow down. Again, we're humans, not machines. That happens. And I think the four-day work week kind of condenses the week so that people, if you really want to maximize those three days off, you're like, okay, I've got to get it done mm-hmm. in the four days. And so it kind of trims some of those pockets of time-wasting to be more efficient so that you can maximize the extra day. And have you have you done summer Fridays or worked with companies who've done summer Fridays? I feel like that's been close to a four day work week. Um, but my even though we did summer Fridays, we never took the whole Friday off per se. It was just like you got off at two. <laughs> I've had companies that have done you know? it different ways. Yeah, I've had some that give you the whole Friday off, not every Friday, but they kind of give you a set number oh. of full days. I like off. that. And then I've had others where every Friday in the summer you end early. And I prefer the full day off even if it's, you know, fewer days because mm-hmm. a lot of times you're not really getting off early, especially if you're in a If you're in a client service or customer service facing business, you can't always decide that 
there will be no client issues after 2 p.m. because I said Mm so. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? You have to do the work and time zones are tricky in any business, Mm -hmm. you know? So I prefer if it's just this whole day's mine versus maybe I'll get three hours, which ends up being like 45 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. The time zones are tricky. The last place I worked at, it would – I wouldn't say impossible, but it would be harder, more challenging to do a four-day work week based on where everyone worked. I mean, we had people in Kenya, Nepal, the UK, and the US in several different time zones in the US. And so the overlapping times to have some of those like weekly fruitful team meetings, it was hard. By the time we're logging in on the East Coast, my Nepal team, it was like six o'clock PM their time. Mm. So they've actually had they've already had to adjust their work times to accommodate for East Coasters and West Coasters and all that. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think and this is the last thing I'll say on this because this is not our topic of the week. But <laughs> I think it's interesting if you are navigating like multiple time zones, if you can do it in a way that then gives you more free time in your standard workday. So for example, my dad, a big part of his job is in sales of like different like tech and business products. And so he works with global clients. So sometimes he'll have phone calls at 4 a.m., 9 p.m., like inconvenient mm-hmm. hours to his workday. But he's able to flex that and say, okay, well, if I did this call at 4 a.m. or 6 a.m., I can take an hour-long break in the middle of the day to go do a workout or to, you know, when I was, like, back and forth at home, like, take me to the airport. He had, like, more spaces. It's not – his workday didn't get longer Mm -hmm. necessarily unless he wanted it to. He loves his job, so he is happy to work. But um, you could kind of flex the time, so you're still getting those hours in. It's just not – this is your start time. This is your end time. It's like, just get those hours in however it spreads out. And I prefer that because your creativity strikes at different times of day. You know what I mean? And so if you're like, look, one to two, you're not going to get the best of me. But, <laughs> you know, seven to eight is when I can really dig dig, dig deep and like get all my stuff together, which is very related to some of the things that we're going to talk about today, which are the habits of millionaires. Um, And there's like one thing where they tend to do wake up a lot earlier to get some things done. And so that flex of hours, that's where I found the segue. Yeah, no, I'm excited for our our topic today. We're talking about millionaire habits, um, not necessarily because everyone wants to be a millionaire. We know that that is just an arbitrary number. Some people don't want it. But we do know that having financial comfort and stability, whatever that figure looks like to you and your family, does kind of reduce stress. It usually is associated with many definitions of success. It's not the only definition, but there is that component um, and of like fulfillment and achievement that comes with that. So we just thought it'd be helpful to take a look at, you know, self-made millionaires in particular, not people who necessarily Mm -hmm. inherited wealth, but those who are building it from scratch and see if there are any habits or routines that we can pick up or that we think are interesting. And I 
what I like about this topic after research, and we'll dive into this, is it actually covers a lot of what we've talked about before in other episodes. And at the end of the day, there are so many articles about like what makes people so successful? What do what are they doing in their 24 hours that I am not doing? Yeah. And it's just like a code that we're all trying to crack. And to go off of you, it's not necessarily like I need $1 million to hit my account, <laughs> to, you know, for me to feel like success or whatever. But I think – and money does not necessarily – equal happiness, but it provides the resources, it provides freedom to allow you to explore the things that do make you happy. Mm -hmm. And so I know money's not going to make me happy, but it sure as hell makes me comfortable and allows me to give back, allows me to take time off in the ways that I think will provide happiness in my life. Amazing. So I guess jumping into some of these millionaire habits. I in I was looking at different books, different articles, different resources. There's a lot of consistency across, mm-hmm. you know, each person is interviewing a different set of millionaires, but there there are a lot of consistencies which I find interesting. And I guess the first direction I want to take this is that for me it was fascinating that you think of millionaires, you think of money, obviously money, jobs, but a lot of the habits of millionaires and wealthy individuals involve taking care of your physical body Yeah, as well. <laughs> there, there was a lot of talk about regular exercise, making sure you get quality sleep. The number of hours might vary based on the person, but quality sleep, good exercise, and keeping your mind right. Like there's a lot about the physical body that translates into how you perform in the financial and professional world. Yes. I think those were some of the more like surprise, not surprising ones to me. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like in order for you to show up at your best, which is when you can, you know, you maximize that ability to show up at your best, you get better results when you're at your best. Um, you have to start within and how can I perform, be alert, make good decisions if I am getting two to three hours of sleep a night? Ugh. I mean, A, I can't even do that. There's no way I can function on that anymore. Like we're not – Not in my 20s anymore. No. <laughs> not. I used to do that in high school. Like your exams at – what? when do we start school? 7.15 a.m. <laughs> I would sleep at like four because I stayed up studying. No, 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 no. That's not, not how millionaires out. are made. No. <laughs> not at all. But I, and it's it I think what you're saying is right. It is true that like if I think of myself as a car or like I'm a vehicle for making decisions that are going to attract wealth, attract success, I can't A I have to rest. And like there was a lot of talk about like balanced diet, healthy food. Like I can't put low grade diesel into a high efficiency sports car. I I know I'm using all the wrong terminology. I am not like an F1 girly, but um, it's true. Like you have to fuel your engine and like treat your body, this vehicle Mm -hmm. that you're running with well, if you want her to go far and perform at high speeds. Um, 
again, I'm not going to try and throw any other like horsepower <laughs> like language in. I mean, don't look at me. I watched like the first three episodes of F1, but retained nothing about the cars. <laughs> they look I was nice. just there for yeah. the drama. I was just there for the drama. <laughs> but it did. Like it was all about I'm, I mean, I think too, it's the the mindset of wanting your body to perform better is probably half the battle of getting yourself to be disciplined enough to get sleep, to be disciplined enough to show up at the gym. Like I, it's a practice. So once you practice giving yourself good discipline and grace, but mostly discipline in this case, you're more likely to be disciplined in other areas of your life. Um, and so that's what I like about that. And I, hey, look, I'm not a millionaire. Um, so definitely I could start there of just like giving myself a little bit more discipline in other areas. Uh, and and maybe it'll translate to getting more discipline so I have multiple streams of income and can become hey. that millionaire. <laughs> Get to be that millionaire Melissa one day. We're going to manifest it. It has a ring to it, millionaire Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so we talked about like the physicality, taking care of yourself better, your body, and they also talked a lot about taking care of your mind. And a lot of them, um, let me see if I could find my stat, but it, this was from a study, and it, this is, I think the study was done in like 2007 or 2004, so it's been a while, but the study still gets circulated in a lot of the modern articles about how to you know, the habits of a millionaire. And this is a study from Tom Corley. He did a study with 233 millionaires, 177 of them, which were self-made. Big difference. (laughs) But it says that 61% practice new skills for a minimum of two hours a day. 63% listen to audiobooks during their work commutes. So even though I think there's just like the, yeah, continuing to stretch their mind, continuing to allow new information to flow through, I think is like a huge piece of growth and wanting to grow and then you will grow. Yeah, I I also found some resources from Tom Corley because I think he wrote a book actually called Rich Habits about some Mm. of these studies he was doing. Yeah, I think the focus on keeping your mind right is good. One of the things he mentioned on his blog actually, which I thought was super interesting, was it's also controlling your emotions. And so maintaining composure is a huge part of – that was a common habit with millionaires. I'll actually read this quote from his blog. When you allow your emotions to run high, you're literally turning off half of your brain. The prefrontal cortex shuts down when your emotions, good or bad, are allowed to run wild. And this is a particularly bad thing when you experience defeat or setbacks, because that is when you need your entire brain to help you overcome defeat and setbacks. Mm. So it's not just this thirst for knowledge, which I think is super important. Like we always talk about always being a student, always, you know, being interested in learning, but also that sort of emotional regulation and not just the bad emotions, but the good ones too. Like you can't just be running on a high and thinking Mm -hmm. that you're making the best decisions 
because wealth, I think, and like to be a true millionaire where it's not just like a flash in the pan, it is like a long-term gain. Like you don't want to be that person who has a really great year and then two years later can't like afford to buy lunch. Like you want it to be sustained and that kind of maintaining your composure. I thought that was interesting. I did read that one about not overreacting and and I mean that makes sense, right? Like if there's a stress on having a good IQ, there should be a balance of a good EQ, which also just means yeah, understanding, being at like a good like having like a good center of gravity um and having a good baseline, right? So if your baseline is always like up here and you're always like erratic and reacting I mean that also has a reaction a negative impact on your body and your health Mm -hmm. right and so if your baseline is at a much more calmer level it just a makes people want to work with you (laughs) that helps um but also I think it has like an effect on your body I like what you said about balancing not just IQ but also EQ I think that I think that's very true and important. Um, You mentioned relationships. That was another thing that came up a Mm -hmm. lot too about a lot of times we have, especially in America, this pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. You know, it's very, we're a very individualistic culture, but a lot of the habits of these people who've achieved wealth and, you know, millionaire status it's all about like investing in relationships. Like, and I actually saw this one stat. I'm, I'm actually curious about it. It's from this book by Chris Hogan, Everyday Millionaires. And he talks about that millionaires prioritize four key relationships, a coach, a mentor, a cheerleader, and a friend. And I haven't read the book yet. I, I just got that from an article, but it made me really interested to read the book, because obviously they don't talk about romantic partner. I imagine your romantic partner can fit into ideally several of these categories. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, a coach, a mentor, a cheerleader, and a friend, and like why you need the representation of those four buckets in your circle to help you go the distance. So it was coach, mentor, cheerleader, and friend. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay, I could see. I would probably add like a fifth one. I know we're not talking about the financial piece of that, but probably like a really good CPA. Um, but other than that, <laughs> handle the financials. Um, that makes sense to me, though. I mean, you want somebody who has your back, can be honest with you, someone who provides you feedback and direction, someone who's able to like point out the things in your life that maybe missing or you may need to lean in more on like I feel like a coach is like good for that and then you also need someone who like lifts you up and there's like the cheerleader piece of that optimism you need someone who's not trying to tear you down gives you energy Um, when you're like yeah starting to lose it a little bit yeah that makes sense to me and then I would just yeah add the (laughs) the financial piece of that to make sure the money is sustainable (laughs) And it can grow as I grow. The relationship piece is really interesting to me. So not necessarily related to millionaire habits, although this is 
feedback from an individual who is a millionaire. So I recently read Steve Harvey's book, Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success. Um, And he actually says, both in the book, and I've seen videos of him online, when he talks about relationships, he has this saying that everyone who comes with you can't always go with you. And it's sort of this philosophy that he's learned on his journey over several decades of success that kind of encapsulates the same thing of like, you want to have a strong, you want to have the right people and the right relationships that you're investing in as you're moving into that success field. And he's someone who kind of got success, not in his twenties. I think it was probably like his thirties and forties is when he really started to take off as a bigger name. So I guess in the entertainment Mm -hmm. industry, that's like, middle age, like not, not young success. Mm-hmm. And he, it's important for him. He says, it's not just bringing everyone who comes with you can continue down the road with you. Like there are relationships that are going to be seasonal and that doesn't, seasonal doesn't have to mean transactional. I mean, you can really treat them with respect and want the best for them. Like you have to recognize, I guess, that when you are moving into this millionaire mindset or into this next phase of your life, some people will be ready to like level up and go with you, but not everyone. And that you have mm. to, you have to make the difficult decision to sever or at least maybe distance some of those relationships so that they don't hold you back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, I think relationships are such an interesting piece because obviously like we want everyone that we love today to still be in our inner circle 50 years from now, but people change at different rates and not everyone is as open to change. And I just, I think that that piece I think is really important because I think that emotional piece is where it will disrupt the logic of all of the other habits and information we take in. It's like, but I love him. I love her. Like they've always been there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's hard to, to let that go or just kind of reimagine that person in your life in a different role. If if they're not ready to go with you the next step. And at least not give them the kind of power to influence some of the decisions that could change your life. And I understand that, right? Like choosing to have certain conversations with people about things when you're on this journey of growth or change or just trying something new and you have people who aren't there yet or who may not ever be in that growth mentality, it's difficult. Like it makes you second guess yourself. Doubt creeps in. You're like, well, hold on. I had a lot of respect for this person, but they're not seeing what I'm seeing. Decisions that you make after that could be influenced by them as well. They're not excited for you. You don't feel support. And so, yeah, it makes sense to me that at some point you may not, I mean, I'm not like cut them off. Bye. You know, necessarily. Unless they're toxic. Okay. But for the most part, I think it's, you used a great way of saying just like distancing, just like, okay, they may not necessarily need to know that piece of my life. You know, like they're obviously not helping with that. Um, And so I, I mean, we talked about this too with our friendships, how important and how influential those can be good or bad. And we talked about our partnerships of people we choose to spend our lives with or just, you know, 
we're if we're married, we're just partnered with them, we're just dating them, how much of an influence they have and their extended network of people have on us, our health and our wellness. Um, so it would also affect us financially or at least just being in that millionaire mindset that you said. Um, and so maybe if you surround yourself with more millionaire mindset folk, we all might get there at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Sh- share resources, share knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> what is it? I gotta- it's like Jay-Z who says something like, what is it? Like if you're, I'm going to totally butcher this, but I think he has a saying that's like, if you're the only, if everyone in your circle is broke except you, then you're still broke. Like it, like his, I, I, that's not the right quote. I will find it. But like basically the idea is that like you shouldn't be the richest person in your circle. You shouldn't be the smartest person in your circle. Like you should all, you should be surrounding yourself. So if everyone around you has a broke mindset, but you're like, oh, I just got a Lamborghini. I'm like, I'm, I'm a millionaire. It's like, well, is that real? Like how long is that going to last if you're, and again, we're not talking about people's circumstances because like, you know, things happen to people, but he means it more metaphorically, I think, of just make sure you're you're also a product of who you surround yourself with. Yeah. Um, out of some of the habits that you read about millionaires, was there one that surprised you the most? Um, there were two. Making your bed every day <laughs> came up a lot, which I was like, oh, that's just a good habit to have. I didn't think that really tied into my net worth, but I, I, that came up several times. And I said, okay, good to know. Make your bed every day if you want to be a millionaire. And then one that I thought was really interesting too, and I think it was from Randall Bell. He did a study and he, he has a book about it. And it talked about politeness and having good etiquette was Mm -hmm. a popular habit of millionaires. And I liked that because again, we talk a lot about relationships in the sense of like our friendships and like our personal lives. But like, if you are accumulating wealth or like achieving success, you are going to have like business relationships, professional contacts, relationships as well. And having good manners, good etiquette is a good way to facilitate you know, expanding that network, keeping those relationships of people who can put you on to new business, new opportunities, mm-hmm. new learning. And and it's it's a good reminder because I think sometimes I'm trying to be careful how I say this. I think sometimes people get can get into this mindset of the rich are always bad. If you have money, you automatically did something gross mm. to accumulate wealth. Like there is a little bit of um like I think there's just like a mistrust or yeah, I don't think we we all want wealth, but I think there's there's also this mindset sometimes of people questioning rich individuals. That like they're like inherently what did you have to sacrifice or like who did you, you obviously step had... on to get here? Yeah. Like you obviously sold your soul to the devil <laughs> to make this yeah. kind of money. Yeah, there's this like mm-hmm. nobility in not having stuff and that if you have things that you are morally corrupt and I don't think that's always true and so I think that is um it was interesting and and kind of refreshing to know that again if you are really trying to move up like 
it will serve you to be kind to people. People have long memories, especially now in the age of the internet, like good manners, treating people well is, is a habit that I think is good to cultivate because mm-hmm. you we're seeing, you know, a lot of people who rise to fame and then their downfall is, you know, a disgruntled employee, someone who felt wronged by you. So like just having that being kind is, is also a good part of it if you want it to last. Mm-hmm. Um, it just says a lot about your character, you know what I mean? So just be nice. Be kind, yeah, actually. Be nice to people. Be better than nice. <laughs> um, one that surprised me was, I mean, overall, I think I was coming into it like, oh, there's probably a lot of rigidness, a lot more structure in someone's day for them to maximize, you know, the, the 24 hours that they get. And instead, I saw like a little bit more things around creating flexibility in their day. Mm. And so I'm not – this one I'm not surprised by, which was having a good morning routine, waking up three hours before your workday starts so that you can get things – get the things that you need to get done done. And so that when 8 o'clock does roll in, the distractions come in, the meetings, the pings, all that stuff – um, you've already succeeded because you got what you needed to get done and now you can show up for other people. That one didn't surprise me, but again, it was just like the f- adding like flexibility so that you're not depending on certain hours of the day to get things done. You've already mm-hmm. done it. You've gained control. The thing that I liked the most too and surprised me was the setting aside time to be creative. And there are a couple articles that talked about um, just allowing time to think. So like allowing like 15 to 30 minutes to just ask questions, kind of like spend time with yourself, brainstorm, um, and just allow your brain to like just dump ideas out. And so A, you don't lose them. And B, I mean, that's just like a a good way to stretch your brain. Like what can I be doing – uh, I had this dream about this last night. What does that mean? You know, just spending time with yourself to be creative. Um, and even though like when we think about, at least at at first glance, when you think about millionaires, the first word you think about is not creative. You think ambitious, driven. You're not like, they're creative. But millionaires might actually be some of the most creative <laughs> minds in the world because of how innovative they are how out of the box, like how their thinking is out of the box, how they don't necessarily follow the herd, like all of these things do make up a creative person. And so if you want to maintain that millionaire mindset slash status, allow yourself to continue to be creative about your time and money. I like that. I I think you're right that I also went into it thinking a certain or expecting a certain level of rigidity of I have to wake mm-hmm. up at 5 a.m., got to do my workout at 2 a.m., have to do, do like this overly scheduled kind of life that is very suit and tie, buttoned up, like there's no m- minute for breaks. Everything is like super type A that I, I like that you mentioned that. Um, another one I, I guess I would just mention, and then I, we can probably just dump some more at the end just so that people have others, is uh, most millionaires focus more on 
having and keeping wealth versus showing their wealth to other people. Um, Yeah. There was an article I read that said that 86% of prestige luxury cars are driven by (laughs) non-millionaires. And that 61% of people who earn more than $250,000 or more a year actually aren't buying luxury car brands. They're buying the same Toyotas, Hondas, and Fords as the rest of us. I think there's this idea, especially when we think about TikTok and social media, that she has a designer bag. She must be a millionaire. He has the latest sneakers or jewelry. They must have wealth. And like, again, you might have temporary wealth. I mean, A, they might actually have that money, but a lot of time it's like temporary wealth. There's also a huge market for dupes. So I just want people to know that like when you're, I, I came from Turkey, it is a whole economy of just fake luxury goods, fake Chanel, fake Hermes. So like, just because you see someone flashing certain things doesn't mean that they actually have money. Like the real wealth is in people who just have a home in the suburbs, are living modestly. Yes, they might have nicer vacations. They might have some nice things, but it's not always about being super flashy. It's mm-hmm. like on the outside, they seem really regular, but then their net worth is like, oh, actually we have a comfortable $2.6 million. Our retirement's taken care of. Our kids, you, like school is taken care of. It's not always mm-hmm. about flashing wealth. So I thought that was interesting. And I think it's a good reminder when you're taking advice from people online Like, don't just say, whoa, that's like a Dior bag. She's who I should be getting my financial advice from. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's in her bank. You don't know. (laughs) Where are the receipts? Um, And also, though, I mean, we've learned this from watching Real Housewives. (laughs) The amount of times these very millionaire, potentially billionaire status folks are bankrupt. Yeah. Or they, they're or they're doing really sketchy, sussy things uh, and they're in jail and all this stuff. And so, yeah, a lot of it can be a facade for sure. And, yeah, wealth can mean different things to different folks in terms of the amount. Um, but to me, I think just like that peace of mind you have of like if I lose my job, you know, I can still provide for my family. We can – Buy the things that we need. You know, maybe for me, like, I am still – I love Toyota cars. Like, I even imagine, like, if I hit it big, I would still want a Toyota. Now, I might want, like, a Toyota Land Cruiser or a Sequoia versus, you know, my Camry, but (laughs) (laughs) I would still like to drive the the Toyotas. stand Toyota. That's good. I stand Toyota. Yes. Hundo percent. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's good. I mean, I guess just to kind of wrap it up, I'll drop a couple other things that I saw, habits that I thought were interesting. They set goals and stick to them. Um, Most millionaires have multiple streams of income, whether that's side hustles, second jobs, passive income. So that's something to think about. And they limit their TV watching. I saw that one too. Yeah. One kind of hit me. Like, Even oh, no. though I'm like, no, but I, I sometimes take in like informational stuff and I'm learning, but it yeah. they do they prioritize reading over watching TV. So you don't have to do all of these, just just sharing. <laughs> just sharing. I'm definitely not doing all of these. <laughs> I know. I was like, um, 
I mean, yeah, I definitely am a hardcore reader, but I also yeah. make time to watch TV. <laughs> but like good TV. Not like, no, okay. I still watch trashy TV, but what I mean is like, I don't put something on to just put it on. Like, if I'm going to watch TV, I want to be, like, immersed in it. You know what I mean? Like, I'll watch some shows while cooking, but I'm not – I'm invested in what I'm watching. At least I try to yeah. be. And sometimes that's part of my, like – going back to taking care of your body, that, sometimes that's a part of my rest routine is just to, like, yeah. wind down with easy comfort TV. <laughs> so it, it's not always, what are the lessons? Let me have my notepad out. Sometimes <laughs> it is like, no, it's easy watching and that has its own benefits. But mm-hmm. yeah, those are just a couple others I wanted to share if you guys wanted to start yeah. ramping up your millionaire routines or habits. The Let me see. I think we've covered a lot of the ones I saw as well. Um, there's a couple other ones and that was they take calculated risks. Mm. Um, they help others succeed and they ask for what they want. And then another one, which is like a topic we talked about, they continually and consistently ask for feedback. Oh. Yeah. And that's so an easy one to implement. Like yeah. you can implement that tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. So all, basically this podcast, yes, it's about your piloting journey, but it's like piloting journey to become a millionaire. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess like a piloting journey to have your definition of success and yes. that success can lead you to become a millionaire if you want yes. to. <laughs> that millionaire mindset. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, Melissa? Um, no, I think – yeah, reading this stuff, I thought it would make me feel worse about myself actually, but it made me feel better. And I think because of basically the daily practice you and I both have around some of these things, talking about it, unpacking them together on the podcast, just texting each other about it like off the pod in real life, I actually don't feel like deflated after reading this. I'm like, oh man, like that just seems like a whole group of people that I'm not a part of or it feels exclusive. It actually feels more inclusive than not. Of like, okay, this feels attainable. This feels achievable. Not necessarily, again, the quote millionaire, like million dollars in my bank account, but just adopting that mentality to be set on a path for growth and all that stuff. How about you? Any last thoughts? Um, My last thought is I'm glad that you said what you said because I think that's a good point. Like, our aim with these conversations, particularly this one today, but others that we might have, is never to make anyone feel bad about themselves if they're not yeah. doing anything. So I'm glad that you don't. I would never want anyone to feel like, oh, I'm not taking part of this or my mindset isn't in this space yet. Therefore, I feel crappy about myself. It's always just to share more information maybe reinforce things that you've been thinking about before. If you've been looking for a sign to take action, maybe this is the conversation that finally like flips the switch for you. So don't feel bad if you're like, I do none of these things. I have one stream of income. I have a terrible sleep schedule and I spend all my day watching TV. That's okay. If you are happy with that life, that's beautiful. If you want to make changes, we're just here to share some things that might be useful for consideration, but don't feel bad about yourself ever. Yes. I'm I'm now going to butcher a quote. 
um, and this will actually be my last thought <laughs> around this. And it was from Sentimental Garbage. Thank you, Renee, for the podcast recommendation. Um, I listened to the Gilmore Girls episodes. And she said something around oh, – I'm going to butcher it. It's okay. Something around like sometimes it just takes – you probably hear these things repeatedly. Like we're not the first person podcast to talk about feedback or waking up early. Like there's a lot of consistency around people who are writing books or providing resources. But sometimes it just takes – where you are in life at that striking it at the right time or hearing that right voice to thrust you into action. That was a very long winded way of saying um, like sort of trust your own process and trust your own timing with things. I know this is not the first time I've heard about waking up at 4am and 5am to, you know, get your, get your brain going or setting time aside to be creative I mean, we've read how many books already who talk about similar things. Um, so, yeah, just have grace for yourself. <laughs> Give yourself some space and grace for um, the record. And for the record, yeah. it's <laughs> Well, it's good that you reinforce that because people, I think, need – some people appreciate that reminder. Um, and for the record, I will never be waking up at 4 a.m. regularly by choice. So <laughs> – don't feel bad. I have. I don't even aspire to wake up that early. I have zero desire. So I will be yes. t- making my own tweaks. I think 6 a.m. is good. 6 to 7 a.m. is the sweet spot for me. Um, yeah. Anything like 4, just uh, no. My thing is like I just can't imagine sleeping at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night. Like – yeah, like it doesn't I'm, work for me. I don't like it also when it's so dark in the morning. Like I have mm. tried to do like the 6 a.m. workout class and it's awful because you wake up, it's dark, The you're driving or – well, yeah, you're driving in the dark. I'm not walking around the streets of the city when it's pitch black. I don't feel like that's like a safety concern. And I, just, I don't even know if that aligns with my circadian rhythm. Like I want to rise with the sun, which is mm. usually maybe more in the 6 a.m. range. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't – I don't unless unless you want to tell me, hey, Renee, you're hosting Good Morning America. That's <laughs> that, that or like I'm a guest yeah. on it. That's, that's really the exception I'll make if like there's a really <laughs> cool opportunity for me to do it. I agree. I'm not a morning person, so <laughs> – I am becoming more of a morning person, though. So, by choice, at least that, that not is... four a.m. morning. Yeah, person. no. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but I guess pivoting to our gold stars. Do you want to go first? Mm-hmm. What's What's your gold star this yes. week? Yes. Okay. Renee and I just talked about this, and so it like stuck in my brain. Ooh. And we talked about notebooks and the particularity around which kind of notebooks we both like. And those are the dot grid notebooks. If you don't know what a dot grid notebook is, yes. ah, welcome to the world of like bullet journaling and a notebook that will change your life, especially if you get upset if your handwriting is crooked, aka me. Um, so different notebooks, they can be blank, they can be ruled with the lines. There's like the grid, the graph paper that you may have used in math class. And then there's dot grid, which is kind of like the grid paper, but very like subtle dots instead. Um, And I just think – 
I don't know. I don't know what it is about the dot grid, but it allows you to like still be creative and have that like blank canvas as if like a blank page would have, but allow you some flexibility to use the lines to make things straight and all that good stuff. Um, and so dot grid, a bunch of brands make them. You got your moleskin brand. You've got, I had to look up the pronunciation, but it's Loistrum. 1917 which is the uh, very like it's like a sturdier I think more thicker paper than the moleskin there's like hardcover soft cover I mean I could talk a whole podcast about what kind of notebooks you get but I don't have a like particular brand I like I have bought all the kinds to me as long as it has like the dot grid I'm good I am also a fan of the dot grid bullet journal and I have purchased a moleskin a loistrum pap I think it's papier also has one like Mm. I I have them from so many brands yeah I hate the ruled lines I think there's something about that that just feels really restrictive to me academic yeah (laughs) I I like academia actually like for me it's like I think the restriction that it's like oh you're Mm. telling me to write in this direction with this like spacing in between, like it, it feel I feel like I have more freedom with just like a bunch of dots, and mm. I can connect the dots on my own. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Roll like just that. makes me every time I see it, just makes me want to write my full name on the upper right hand corner. You know, like, <laughs> like in school. I know, like you in mean. school. And I'm like, uh, like it just brings me back there. Um, yeah, I, I think it allows like you to have more creativity yeah, and to be a little bit more boundless in writing. And like the size of your writing and everything. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I'm also a fan. What about you? What's your gold star? My gold star goes to Forward Space. So Forward Space, Mm -hmm. I'm going to read from their website, is dance, music, wellness, and sweat. Described as a euphoric hybrid of movement that is equal parts cardio dance, athletic training, and moving meditation. So what all that means is that (laughs) Forward Space (laughs) is this really cool workout where it's very dance focused. They have an in-person studio in New York City, but they also have a virtual hub if you want to take classes at home or in your own community if they don't have a physical location. And I love it because I love to dance. I love a good workout sweat and what is, I I agree with them when they say it's like a moving meditation. It's just really positive vibes. And most importantly, the live DJ plays excellent music. (laughs) And this is very important for me in like a cardio based workout class because some people will just put on like top 40 pop music and I like top 40. I like pop but not all of those songs are songs that I want to hear in a dance workout setting. Mm-hmm. Like give me a remix. There are artists that I enjoy where I'm like, I never want to hear you in a workout class. I still love your music, but you don't belong here. <laughs> wait, wait, I want to know who. <laughs> like I don't, I don't ever want to hear Taylor Swift in a workout class. Oh, in class. a workout. Okay. Yeah, 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 no, but I like some of her songs. Like I, I think it's like you just need like the certain kind of music. And I think having the live DJ who – it has like this also industrial vibe. It kind of feels like you're in like a ministry of sound, like London kind of underground workout space. And the music is just excellent. Um, so if you like cardio dance and have a laptop, you can take advantage of forward space in their virtual hub. Um, 
the New York location is fun. I, I did it in person. And there are other classes like that. I think 305 Fitness is another one where they have good music. It's For me, it really just comes down to the music, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I love certain songs, but I don't want to hear them in my workout. Like, I just want to listen to them on my own. Yeah. So you need the DJ who gets that, like, right dance energy and, like, the right, like, beats per minute mm-hmm. to, like, yes. keep you going. Like, get the I right BPM. I think that's what it is. The intentionality behind getting music that they know fits that like uh, my bar teacher in Connecticut was really good at that and mm. we did this um I don't even know I don't, I don't even know how to describe it but or maybe it was Pilates class but we had to like lift our legs up and just like kind of pulse and we did it to Beyonce's uh break my soul that um, yeah it almost That's a did perfect break- song for that it is a perfect it's a long song for that <laughs> <laughs> but it was a perfect song for that and you even find yourself like it's not about movement of your arms. It's really about like your your inner thigh and your glutes. Um, but I was just like dancing and it got me out of my head to actually do the thing. So. And a, a good playlist, like for me, a good playlist helps that like the minute I feel like I'm getting ready to give up, take a little break or slow down, I need just like that next track to come on that like pushes me. Mm. And so that's why I'm so particular about the music because if the song, the next song is lame or it's just not the right venue for it. Yeah. I will then give myself another water break when it's like, you didn't Mm -hmm. need water. Like you could just keep pushing. And so that I like when there's a good DJ who's like, Nope, keep going, keep going. Like you can make it. So we're not running on shuffle. We're running on like a specific playlist. Yeah. Like ideally a DJ who can also like give me little like remixes, you know, like when we were there, they did like a remix of um, Dua Lipa. And like, I love Dua Lipa, but like Mm. some of her songs aren't fast enough because of that disco vibe. And so like the remix just like took it to the right, like BPM where I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is, this is the right energy for a cardio class versus just like dancing with my friends. Um, Mm. So yeah, good, good DJs, good, good vibe. <laughs> um, what are you manifesting this week? Uh, my manifestation is simple this week. Uh, romanticize the journey. I think we focus a lot on the destination. And for most of us, we spend more time on the journey than at the destination. And I think when you're a growth-minded person, the way that I am, as you get closer to the destination, you're going to keep moving the goalposts. Like once you achieve a milestone, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, there's a new destination. And so I think it's, it makes it easier. And I think it's helpful if I can remind myself to get excited about the processes it's going to take to get there versus, oh, once I get there, I don't have to do anything and it will just be perfect and stagnant. Like enjoy the work of getting there because you'll still have to work even to maintain you know, we're talking about millionaire stuff. There are a ton of people who inherit wealth and still have to work to keep it because some people inherit wealth and lose it. So it's like you have to get comfortable with the journey and the process. I like all of that. And just I want to be better at romanticizing my life. I know that's like another related like romanticization of something. Um, I like that a lot. Mine is also simple. Um, it comes from James Clear, who we read Ooh. his book, Atomic Habits. And this is in his 321 newsletter, which is what prompted him to write this book. 
And it's the pessimist criticizes, the optimist creates. Um, So it's the pessimist criticizes, the optimist creates. And we talked actually a little bit about this with who you're surrounding yourself with, the millionaire habit, the four people um, that they should have in their life. And just the idea that, yeah, the people who continue to be pessimistic or weigh you down, that only you're just like kind of stuck in this criticizing, you're not doing this mentality. But if you switch over to the optimist, it actually creates opportunities versus poking holes in it all the time. I like like that. that. Yeah. I I mean, I consider myself a little bit more of a realist, but I do lean more optimist for sure. I consider myself an optimist, um, but I do – I appreciate a strategic hole poking, but Mm – I think like we said probably in one of our first episodes of the podcast, you have to be strategic about when you start poking holes in your own dreams and someone else's because if you do it too early, you can kind of pop that like bubble of excitement Mm. before they really get started. So you have to think before you immediately jump on saying, well, that seems unlikely that you're going to do that or like, "Uh, I don't know about that. Like wait (laughs) before you do that and just let them create something before we finesse it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah thank you james clear for that one (laughs) thank you james clear and melissa for sharing it that was a great one yeah popped up on my instagram feed instagram is always serving me some good some good manifestations as it should have a good feed (laughs) (laughs) um well thanks for the chat i can't wait for us to become millionaires (laughs) oh me too i feel like it feels, up. it feels good to know that we have some of these habits are already like on our radar of things that we are doing or are yeah. working on and exciting that this community of like you and me and like whoever's listening to piloting and like wants to join in can be that kind of like relationship circle for each other. If you yeah. need a mentor, you need a friend, you need a cheerleader, that's, that's what we're trying to build here, like create that circle. So we can all be millionaires. Heck Who wants yeah. to be a millionaire? <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> An epic music. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do, actually. Me too, raising my hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not ashamed of it. I want to make money. Um, but yeah, thank you all for being here. And let's make money together. <laughs> all right. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.